Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Symphondel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. In this week's episode, we are going to be covering something that's extremely topical and going to be really, really helpful for our listeners. And it is wine buying tips. That's right. Yeah, this is something really important to us because... We've talked about our experience in retail before and it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes when you see people always going for the same wines or Mm -hmm. having the same dilemma when it comes to picking a wine. So um, I think hopefully this will enlighten listeners and help them out. Absolutely. But I do think that, you know, I can appreciate why people get confused and intimidated because it can be a bit of a minefield when you're going to choose a wine. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be covering different things. We're going to be covering how to uh, choose wine in various types of shops or how you can buy wine, um, how to choose wines on restaurant wine lists. And also, um, if we can fit this in, uh, how to buy a nice gift for somebody. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I have a few tips on that. Um, So first of all, um, for me, I mean, most wine people listen to this podcast, presumably are into their wine. They enjoy a little tipple or so, and uh, they might know a bit if they've listened to the previous two seasons, they've learned so much already and they're more intermediate than beginners. Yeah. Is that okay? not remedial anymore. (laughs) Exactly. This is it. And uh, yeah, so they have, you know, learned a bit and their tastes have adapted and expanded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we did a... We did a good uh, couple of episodes on wine styles Mm -hmm. and things like that, which hopefully gave people a bit of a steer. Yeah. But I think we can elaborate a little bit more on that. And um, in particular, I think it's nice to kick off with uh, what to buy. Mm -hmm. So we can do the how to buy and where to buy. But, you know, if we kick off with what to buy and what we mean by that is, you know, come on, people, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, can we not move on from New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Now, I know that's a really controversial statement. Pause on the episode. People are like, I'm no longer listening. That's <laughs> no, all I drink. No, come back. Stay with us. Stay <laughs> with us. No, the thing is, it, the reason I'm saying this is because apart from anything else, it's going up in price so much. We have a serious supply issue in New Zealand in terms of you know, pricing mainly. I in, didn't know we were in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, <laughs> we saw three price hikes from producers in one year alone. So if you're and looking... And it's not the only grape which we'll get into other no, grapes. No, it's just an example. I'm not trying to pick on New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I'm just, I think it would be lovely if listeners could, you know, who love this style of wine, think outside the box and start being brave enough to maybe try a different variety or even if they love Sauvignon Blanc, that they might try a different region and so mm-hmm. on. So I think the what to buy is really important in a time that we're seeing like just never ending price hikes in the classic regions. OK, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is New World, um, but in Old World, in Burgundy, especially for Chablis lovers, for Macon lovers, huge price hikes. It's really hard to get value for money. I don't think if you appreciate or enjoy a glass of wine, you want to be paying those prices for a, a Wednesday night wine, you know, or whatever it is that you fancy. And, you know, Sancerre, same thing. So... Linda, kick us off. What to buy? (laughs) What to buy? Okay, so, you know, different wines. Antonia, stop laughing. (laughs) I love throwing you. You certainly do love throwing me. No, because I realised that I was taking over that. Yeah, you were (laughs) supposed to be leading this episode, so go for it. I interrupted. So Linda, back to leading steering wheel here, right? Okay, so different grapes that you could try are well, for what? As a, as an alternative to what? Well, I'm just let's take to... New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc then as the example. Well, what would you go for? 
Well, if you like that style, you like aromatic whites and you like something with good, fresh, kind of lively acidity and kind of zippy, zippy, zesty fruit. So, um, you know, Albariño is an an example and we can talk about Albariño in a minute because that in itself has its own challenges. It's starting to go up in price as well. Um, Lots of different, like, for example, get out of New Zealand. Like Sauvignon Blanc, there's loads of regions that are producing fabulously aromatic Sauvignon Blanc whites without having to, you know, break the bank. So an example would be like Coo Climate Chile. Now, I know there's Central Valley and lots of sort of um, mass market uh, wines coming out of Central Valley Chile that are, you know, very mediocre in quality. But go to Leda Valley, go to Casablanca. These are more premium regions from and they're cool climate regions from Chile and you're going to get great value for money. People are a bit nervous about Chile, I think. I see it in the in the results, you know, in terms of retail um you well, know, people co- think that chili is mass, 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 mass produced to bigger I know. brands. I know. So the more specific, what I would say is have a look at the different labels on a wine when you pick it up. Use your eyes. Look at the label. See if it says chili, wine of chili. That's going to be grapes from any other place. The more specific it gets on the label, the more quality you hopefully will get from the grapes from that particular region. So again, Leda, amazing. Loads of other little smaller regions in Chile. Um, that you definitely need to look for. For yep. me, an alternative to Sauvignon Blanc, now not everyone will agree with me here, but is Verdejo. Verdejo. Um, it does have that more of a kind of bitter note rather than the aromatic, but it does have that lively, fruity and uh, crisp acidity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be one. Alternatives, but more on the lighter style, would be um, a pig poo. Hmm. Much lighter. I don't know but if it'd be aromatic enough, but fair enough. But go, go on. on. What? No, it just I was going to say about Alvarino that I um, I I agree with you about sorry Verdejo, with Verdejo being a, a good alternative, but um, I I think Verdejo is you're kind of coming down in your kind of aromatic scale. It is definitely aromatic, but I don't think it's as pungent as as, as New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I think Alvarino would have more of that kind of pungency. But Verdejo in general is such a fantastic white. Good value as well. Great value, brilliant white. And I was going to bring it up in the context of being an alternative to Albariño. Okay. Which indirectly makes it an alternative to New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So that's off We got there So we got there in the end. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And the problem, I mean, I love Albariño, but one of the the issues with Albariño at the minute is same. You know, um, they're suffering from major fungal disease at the minute. That's suffering. I know. I'm like, I'm like um, the, what you call it? Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Or the, 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 yeah, the Countess of Doom. Um, <laughs> I I like, it is it is the supply is coming down and the price is going up. And it's fantastic variety. We love it. And you certainly you are hugely instrumental into promoting Albarino. the third biggest export market for respicious Albarino. Exactly. Huge stats. But um, it's very hard to maintain a good price point on, on Albarino. So two alternatives I was going to mention, one of them being Verdejo, okay. which you've just said, and we know how amazing Verdejo can be. And just to highlight how how, how brilliant it is and how, um, how popular it can be and how it appeals to people, it is that the biggest selling white wine in Spain. Verdejo, more than Alvarino. So there's a reason for that. It's got, you know, it, it flavour profile that really appeals to people. It's great on its own. It's great with food, great acidity. It has great aromatics. And it also has a lovely little kind of, you mentioned this fennel note at the end, which makes it a really good food wine. The other alternative to Alvarino is Alvarino from Portugal, hmm. which you'll get for a much better price point. Well, indeed. But, but people are really, people, they you'd be amazed. They might know that. Do you remember we did a tasting last week, Antonia? And I yeah. said, Alberino, also known as, and I think one of the group of six knew that it was Alberino. Well, yeah, there's so certainly is, to, something to be said in terms of having, you know, the need to educate. But I suppose there's a presumption there that if you see Alberino and Alberino, you know, they're in the realm of, you know, they're in uh, from the same family. But I can see, I can see that, you know, consumers are not buying Alvarino as a substitute or as an alternative to Alvarino. And I think that's a huge oversight because it's got all of those 
really attractive um, characteristics that Albertino has. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's... Um, okay, Pinot that's Grigio. alternative. Pinot Grigio, another grape that, you know, is literally walks out, doesn't need any help. People see it on a list and they want to buy it or they come into a shop, safe bet, and they pick it up. Alternative for someone well, who see. is... Yeah. So Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio drinker. The thing is, Pinot Grigio, the reason, I don't think people will look for an alternative because it's it's still available at such a good price point. I would say if you're looking for a more interesting Pinot Grigio mm-hmm. and you want to kind of expand your palate a little bit, go to more interesting regions for Pinot Grigio, like Alto Adige. Like Alsace and try a Pinot Gris. Exactly. Yeah. Like Pinot Gris from New Zealand. Which is the same. Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio are the same grape variety, but you'll get more, you know, interesting flavors going on, more texture, more better lens, texture, yeah. better flavor concentration. So, like, don't settle for your bog standard Pinot Grigio. Try something else. It'll absolutely rock your world. Rock your world. You know, open your horizons, your wine horizons. This is it. That's it. Like, um, again, there's so many. The world of wine is constantly evolving, changing. There's new grapes coming out. There's older vines, different things that, you know, you see on labels and people mightn't understand it. So just, you know, keep an eye on what's going on. If you, you keep, obviously listen to the podcast. Um, but again, follow bloggers that you might like, follow different things that you might get inspired. Obviously, you know, unless you're really into wine, you're not going to have a decanter subscription and be up with the latest news. But you can easily pick up little tips if you go to different shops and... Um, explore different things and ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one I think is really important to to highlight in terms of like, what's the alternative? I mentioned it earlier, Burgundy, Chablis, Sancerre's. Like a lot of people are very staunchly um, loyal to these regions. If you're a Chablis drinker or a Sancerre drinker or a Puy Fumé, um, what I've found with our customers is it's hard to sway them from that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of go, what kind of wines can you... Uh, offer them as as an alternative. These are the regions that we really need to be able to offer alternatives to. So, mm-hmm. like to my mind, I'd be thinking of things like a Chenin Blanc from Loire. Chenin Blanc is crisp and steely and can be, you know, like absolutely in a blind tasting. If you put um, like a Chablis or like a like a, um, a lean, crisp white wine, yeah, it's hard when you have a Chenin from Loire. Very similar soil types. And you won't pay the same price. No, definitely no. won't pay the same um, price. But when you think about sort of citrusy, like wines that have a citrus core to them and that again are, are lean, I'm thinking of things like Suave. I'm thinking of things like we were talking about Cortese Gavi. and yeah. Gavi. There are that kind of uh, crisp and lean whites out there and you don't have to spend a fortune. You, you know, you can you can explore these. And some for some reds, is there any... Well, you know, what, what do you think people are reds? What, what do you think is their, 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 their the point? Stuck in a rush. Stuck, stuck in a rush <laughs> with like maybe Pinot Noir, like what, you know. Yeah. So if you're stuck in a rush, do you drink Pinot? Then you're liking your lighter, yeah. dry, lighter styles that um, have nice juicy fruit and things like that. Yeah. So you could try a Zygelt from Austria. You could try a Bobal from Spain. Um, what else? Gamet, you know, you're not liking Bobal that idea. Bobal is bigger. I yeah, think. but it still has the kind of cherry yeah, fruit. Gamay though. is a good one, a Beaujolais, but that's still going up in price. It's expensive yeah. there, yeah. No, but you, you've you suggested, recommended others before that were brilliant uh, for Pinot Noir lovers. Paparuda, just look to other regions. Yeah, well, that's Uruguay. And so again, I was going to say Chile as well mm-hmm. again. But again, not central yep. Chile, just or, um, yep. you know, there's, there's so many options. Yeah, Wildflower from Romania is a Pinot Noir we do. That's really popular. It's not from Uruguay. What did I say? The Paparuda is Romania. Sorry. Romania as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you can get Pinot Noirs now from, like there's one we have from Limu, which is fab, be good, terroir, be good. Be good, Linda. I'll try. Um, I hope it's good. Yeah. So no, I mean, I, I just think there's lots of alternatives to to the classics. And I think it's important to try and and like look look at those if you want value for money because I just don't think there's a reason to be spending the kind of money that you know some of the classics demand at the minute. Mm. The better value countries in general would be Spain, Portugal, mm. and mm. southern Italy and Chile, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So avoid Napa Valley. 
Oh, California's <laughs> yeah. a killer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. expensive. Yeah. Love it as a region. Love California, Oregon, Washington, but so expensive. expensive. Yeah. But I also think if you can spend 20 euro on a bottle of wine, you get extreme value from South Africa. Mm. But under that, yeah. not necessarily. So between 20 and 25, I think the quality for your money yeah. is far superior from South Africa. Yeah, I think this is a, gu- a good way of looking at it geographically. Where can mm-hmm. you get value for money? So totally agree with that. New Zealand, I think, is more difficult. It's quite premium mm-hmm. across the board. Whites and reds, really premium. Hard to get value for money. Australia, also quite premium. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Like Adelaide Hills, all the McLaren Vale, all, Barossa, Barossa, all of these places, Coonawarra, all of them command a price and it's quality wine you're getting from here so not yeah. necessarily good value but exceptional quality for your money you yeah know? yeah so agree with you about South Africa and as we say in Europe, you've, you've said uh, you've named the ones where I think you can get definitely get better value for money okay what else are we going to talk about well we should talk about how to buy like what where can you get an old deal or an old bargain Linda <laughs> Well, you see, can I can I just stop for a second and say where we could people buy wine? Yeah. So they buy wine in different places. They buy it in a convenience store, like a garage. Mm-hmm. You're getting your petrol, lovely aromas of uh, diesel and petrol when you're picking up a bottle. It's delicious. <laughs> so that is convenient, convenient. Yeah. And you're not going to be get, avoided. You're not going to get these beautiful Napa Valley and your Kunawara Cabernet and your Chablis here. You're going to get mass produced branded wine I heart you etc etc and they're going to be not necessarily I heart breaking my heart <laughs> no those wines I know there are going to be brands that you recognise um, but you're probably going to pay a little bit more for them than you would in maybe a supermarket for the same thing because it's convenient mm-hmm. you're picking up a bottle as you're refueling you know um, next place to buy wine would be the supermarkets um, so they are fantastic places to go. They'll have a range to fit most people's budget from cheap and cheerful all the way up to some premium levels that better supermarkets may carry. And you're going to have a range from most of the major, well, most major countries and regions of the world. However, you're not going to get any expertise. Nobody's there to help you. If you're looking for something in particular, it's literally someone who's stocking the shelves. It, it doesn't have an expert mm-hmm. there to assist you. And you're rarely going to get diversity. This in, is the thing. They have yeah. a few things that tick the box and you're going to, you know, you're not going to leave going, oh my God, I found the most fascinating wine. I have a story to tell about this. You're not going to get that. But you're going to get tick, tick, tick. It's grand. It's a bottle of wine. And there is some supermarkets that are better than others that are trying to move into Raise places like with, yeah. with Germany and different countries like that and a few Greek wines but generally speaking you know there's a lot of branded wines a lot of promotion and not a taste note to be seen like you don't know what you're getting you just have to look at the, the label and pick on that yeah I'll take a breath for a second <laughs> <laughs> keep going keep going now then we have multiple uh, chain stores the likes of O'Brien's Malloy's things like that that have numerous shops and they will have a larger range of wines from more countries, presumably because they are able to buy a lot more in bulk and serve all their stores and they're, they're nationwide. They're all throughout Ireland. Does Manoy's import? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they buy a lot of their wines from directly from the winery. Source, yeah. yeah. So you're cutting out the middleman importer. Um, so you are getting, um, you know, a lot of value for your money. Okay. However, because of the range of wines at these stores, it can be intimidating still. But most of these stores will have staff that are able to assist you um, and they will have lots of promos, which I think is where you want to go. We'll go there in a minute. Yeah. Well, go on and talk about promos Well, look, I, I think promos, um, they're not to be underestimated. I mean, I think it's amazing just talking to people recently. I, I didn't realise the perception that people had about promos that they thought, oh, like it's a clearance sale or what's wrong with the wine? Yeah. We, you know, the we, retailer we, trying we to get rid of it. We spoke to people about this the yeah. other day. I, mean, we just, I didn't realise that. No, I and noticed. nothing could be further from the truth. Well, I mean, I can only speak for, well, I can speak for my experience in retail as a whole. And I can say as a whole in mm-hmm. the various companies I've worked with, you know, 
you a promo is an opportunity for a retailer to really highlight a wine, really offer the customer value. And they kind of budget that into their figures, into their sales and their margins. And, and, and what I mean by that is that if there's a concerted effort there made to offer the customer re- really serious value for money and, and get, obviously, a volume result, you know, and, and drive sales that way. Um, you know, because obviously if you're reducing your profits down drastically, you need to, you know, you need to get through and get some volume. So so that's what promos are about. Now, I think some I think some retailers are more effective than others. I think in in the case of O'Brien's, if you're if you if it's a clearance wine, it'll say clearance wine sale. So you'll know. Why would someone have a clearance wine? Well, they'll do because unfortunately the wine in stock didn't sell maybe as well as they'd hoped and there's excess stock in the warehouse or whatever and um, they need to they want to pull it through before it's, it gets past its best so mm-hmm. it's still it's still good but you know unfortunately I mean it's great for the customer because mm-hmm. they're getting serious value for money but in general and a lot of uh, retailers operate this way you have a certain amount of promo periods in a year and there is a real effort made to to seriously offer a deep discount to the customer in exchange for, you know, to, to give them to, to kind of buy into a wine maybe that they wouldn't otherwise buy. That's one reason why we put wines on promo. Listen, taste this. If we're going to, we're going to give it to you up to half price, like have a go, mm-hmm. taste it. And like if you're going to get that kind of value and I have to, like I'm going to do a little, well, I have to mention annual wine sale in, in O'Brien's takes place in September. And I'm only, I'm not long in the company and I've been involved in this annual wine sale. It's, 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 it takes place every year. I have never seen the likes of the discounts that are offered here. I'm kind of looking at it going, seriously, can we pull this off? This is, this is like, this is brilliant for the customer. So, um, so definitely I think look out for promos and don't be fooled into thinking that, um, it's some kind of a, you know, they're trying to pull a fast yeah. one on you. Yeah, definitely not. So two things. Another clearance wine reason why wine might be is if <laughs> I was working in a wine shop about two weeks ago and didn't I smash a bottle? All right. <laughs> so we're not trying to sell you the smash bottle. Don't worry. <laughs> we, I, I actually, the red wine fell down forced shells and it smashed and destroyed a load of bottles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that... Right. The labels are damaged, do you know, that way. So yeah. they won't sell as easily no, as a well, wine yeah. that is beautiful. So that's why a wine might have to be cleared if it's some sort of damage, the label or something like that at all. That can be from transit mm. something or a label breaking issue, or yeah, anything yeah. like that. Mm. OK, or the label's not fully secured yeah. on the bottle. So that kind of thing. Also, um, again, working in a wine shop, there was a few wines on display and one was in a really dark bottle, but it was actually a Poulet Fumé. Uh-huh. And nobody knew it was a, a white. white wine. Right. So something like that, again, that helps when it's open for tasting. People can try it and go, oh my goodness, or it's in the fridge, obviously. But if that's sitting on the shelf, that yeah. mightn't go and it might be sitting there forever. Wow. But okay. the other thing I was going to say to you is, and it's uh, slipped my mind there, and it was, what was it? Read my mind, Antonia. Come to me, come to me, come I to know. me. I know, what was it? This is, talk for a second and you'll come back to me. Well, what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, no, but the next piece, by the way, we're going to be talking about you preparing the restaurant wine list that yeah, you okay. did. And, and so not that you did for one play. I know you've done this and I've done this as well. And I think this will give um, listeners a bit of insight. Oh, yeah. I remember I what I wanted oh, to say. Jesus, thanks be to God. Okay. The pressure. I know. Yeah, the pressure of you having to talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. So the other thing is that personally speaking, and this is why people might be dubious of um, promos, right? I will only buy a wine on promo if I'm happy to have paid the full price. I love that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's for me with any kind of sales. So then I'd be like, right. That what happens though sometimes is if people buy it on promo, they stock up and they have a few bottles of it and then they don't buy it then when it's back to full price because they, they think the value is now only worth that. But really it probably yeah. is worth it. Absolutely. So that's where and an awful lot of certain places can yeah. um, inflate the price to, to discount it well, down. I didn't want to say because, you know, but I, I have seen that happen and where where they, you know, where the retailer will 
state that the full retail price is much more than it should be because they want to look like they're offering a discount. But I think the consumer is no fool and they can see through that. So, and I mean, plus, you know, you do your little Google and you find why Uh, is it 24.99 here? And all of a sudden it's, you know. Yeah, no. no. So, but I do, I do agree with you that, you know, that, that the buyer can get used to that price, Mm -hmm. the promo price. That's their new And now they're like, oh, how can then? I'm never going to buy, you know, because they think they're being cottage at the, at the full price, you know, so there is, it's, it's complicated. it yeah, is, yeah, but you, yeah. you know, I think just to reiterate, I genuinely know that a lot of retailers are making a concerted effort mm-hmm. there and it's not as easy as, as consumers think to just mm-hmm. drop your price by that much mm-hmm. and sustain that margin as a business. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it's great to look out for stores that are having, I think, you know, an active country campaign. Do you know, oh, and I, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I think places could also do an alternative campaign. Yeah. So, you know. Do you remember you were involved in the the Spanish and is it going to happen again? Not the this year. Okay. okay. The Spanish what? You know, they had oh, the, the Spanish, Spanish wine yeah. uh, sale and it happened in November and all the retailers could kind of tap into it and pull out their Spanish wines. And, and yeah, this it's was, promoting of yeah. Spanish wine and all the rest. Yeah. It's not happening this year, hopefully next year. But do you know what is happening this year? Oh God, what? <laughs> Haret sale. <laughs> Sherry Wine Week, November. Oh my God. <laughs> Listen, I'm just waiting for you to talk about the Thermomix. So I haven't got it in. I don't know where I'm going to put it into this no, wine. We, all, we both know where. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, let me finish. I had something else because we went back. No, not yet. Oh, right. So we talked about convenience stores. We talked about um, supermarkets. We st- talked about chain stores. Yeah. And we talked about, well, we're talking about now independent wine stores. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and also online. Okay, so independent wine stores, you're going to get people who literally are generally family run businesses, that that is their bread and butter. They put their heart and soul into the wine, uh, the the shop that they own, and they are really passionate. They have trained staff, they want their staff to be loyal and stay with them. So you're going to get an awful lot of customer service, quality customer service, they're going to be thinking, I'm I'm talking about my own personal experience working in an independent Mm -hmm. that literally, you know, oh, how you close it? How's it going? You love your full bodied, rich uh, whites. Here's something that just came in. You're going to love it. Do you know that way? You know the customers by their name, you know their styles, you know they're going to hate X, Y, Z and you're thinking of them. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, I went 100%. a little bit boundaries, not very clear. And I gave loads of people my phone number. They'd be texting me. Is this any use, Linda? I'm like, no, yeah, go for it. You know, all this. But um, you're going to get, you know, passionate staff, knowledgeable staff and committed to helping you. And you're going to find an awful lot of different regions and places that like, Uh, Croatian wine you're going to find different quirky things lots of Greek wines grapes you've never heard of and you trust them to Mm. source them for you and they're from smaller boutique wineries but they're that have a story to tell and all that you can see I'm very passionate about this you know and you should be but um, and then there's more quirkier niche 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 shops that might have specialise in low intervention or natural wine and there's a few wine shops that are actually kind of going down the route of only having sustainable wines and um, one comes to mind that they said they weren't stocking any wines from the new world anymore and wow. that was a bit controversial because they said hold Who's on a that? second 64 wines oh yeah yeah but wow. they, they kind of pedal back on that a little bit saying that they will work with wineries who are working with sustainable practices etc uh-huh. and things like that right. um, and then finally just take a breath and <sighs> online great way we talked about convenience at the beginning here yeah 24 7 yeah three six five days a year you know it'll perfect for the introvert who does not want to go into a store and be intimidated um you can go for discovery cases you can do all sorts of different things but online is 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 a great option yeah um for, you know for i personally i don't love it myself because i like to go in and physically touch and hold the bottle but i think what online could be doing is saying lighter weight bottles and, and things like that that might be more eco-friendly yeah. Avenue. That's just. I think kept. online has really come on, and I think since COVID, we can see that, and and and, and you know across all markets, US, UK, online sales just absolutely rocketed. Mm-hmm. And you look at companies like Naked Wines in the UK, and and now we have a Wine sort Spark. of a version of yeah, that yeah. in Ireland, Wine Spark, which oh, is sure he did some 
incredible turnover. It was only in the paper recently. That's right. I haven't tried any of his. We've only tried one of his wines that was in Rueda when we were there. Rueda Mantel Blanco. Yeah, that's That's right. That's one of his best selling wines, apparently. Well, that doesn't are. surprise me. Verdejo. Verdejo. What can I say? Verdejo. Um, so, so online sales, it is a brilliant way. And it's not just if you're an introvert. It's just like if you if you, if you have a, a good website that really informs the customer mm-hmm. and you can do curate cases and curate bottles and, and really give the information, the key information, I think um, it's a no brainer for a lot of people. Not necessarily cheaper, though. No. No, okay. I agree because, you know, there's a lot of considerations logistically. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. people think they should be getting it cheaper because they don't have a shop front yeah. with science, but they still have all the technology that goes into well, keeping a website working. Let's put it SEO this way. And all that crack. Imagine being like a, a little, you know, a, a warehouse somewhere and you're trying to get like somebody orders one bottle of wine up in Mullingar or up in Cavan or something. Like, what are you going to do? Do you know? Yeah. Like logistically and the costs involved in trying to orchestrate all of that. That's tough. You know, that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Right. What else? Now, we, we want to talk about restaurant wine menus and, and, and wine lists, I should say. And uh, we both have experience in having to put a wine list together. But you recently have been doing a lot of this. So tell us your insights, Linda. I refuse to put a Pinot Grigio. On the list for the first 10 months. <laughs> for the first 10 months. Until they start screaming for it. <laughs> yeah. And it was great because I, I said, there's no Pinot Grigio. Tough. Suck it up, customers. <laughs> um, and I put a really quirky grape called Coca-Cola um, from Italy on instead. And it's based. Sorry, Sergio. is that the grape? That's the grape. Coca-Cola, co- Coca-Cola. <laughs> um. Adriatic Coast, Italy, fab, just really easy, fresh, crisp, light, not too aromatic, but citrus notes and really easy to drink. But that went on the menu in place of a Pinot Grigio. And we did it by the glass so people got to taste it and then they loved it and they bought it. Now, I think 10 months of having a wine on a list is a little bit too long. That's our house, you know, not their house style, but, you know, so we moved it on and we did put a Pinot Grigio on. Reluctantly, I put one on. Which one did you put on? Do you um, mind me asking? I do mind you asking. <laughs> okay, what region was it from? It's from Italian Pinot Grigio. That's all you need to know because that's all it is. It's Italian Pinot Grigio. Okay, okay. So okay. it's a crowd pleaser. A crowd pleaser. Right. But don't I get so defensive? Like <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did like a pig pool mm-hmm. from Languedoc. I did a Fiano. Um, which is more aromatic because again the cuisine is kind of spicy and things like that so I thought that that would work well a Rodeco from Rueda I didn't put a Chablis or a Sancerre on initially mm-hmm. again people are people screaming yeah. so we gave it to them in the end but again they're and paying are they for it they're yeah. paying well, for it sorry it's, it's fairly new on the list so we'll see how okay. it goes but it, it was a great value list and now they're like I think 55, 60 euro for a Chablis and a Sancerre yeah, it's not. And cheap, I was like, you're not, you know? you're not getting value here. You're not. You know, um, a beautiful Gavi I got as well. I found a really good one for a decent price, about 45. That's really nice. But again, reds, light Pinot Noir. I didn't, um, I didn't put anything as quirky as a Zygelt or anything like that on yet. Because again, new staff and, and new restaurants. So we want to kind of get people familiar with, you know, some classics. Yeah. So of course, there has to be Rioja, Tempranillo. Again, one of their best. There has to be a Malbec. Um, that kind of thing, but it's 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 kind of giving them a reserve, mm-hmm. yeah, and an extra step up in quality rather than just any old generic wine, do you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um. What about you? You did a few lists not so long ago. God, you know, it's a while ago now, but like definitely, you had to tick those boxes. I for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, I wasn't willing to put. A sort I did of a premium. Medium. I did a premium. I did a premium. Well, well yeah. I put grey wacky, and I know you can nice, get that yeah. in the re- in in retail, but I I I didn't care. Yeah. To me, it was the only kind of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc worth shouting about. Um, one of say one, one three of a or few. four. Yeah, yeah, that we yeah. both agree on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I remember having to put in, you know, a, a Gruner, Valtliner, I felt was it's really important. Great, great, yeah. great grape. Gruner. I think it's a great grape. <laughs> it is a great grape. And it it, it has I this felt kind leaner of pep- when I had a Gruner. Did you? I felt leaner. <laughs> Terrible. I know. Is okay. that how you remember to say it? Yes. Right. <laughs> um, I put it, I remember putting in, and this was a bit of a flop, but it was to me, 
uh, another kind of a foodie white was a pecorino. From oh, Italy. oh, sorry. Yeah, pecorino. Broad. Sorry, kind I'm of. thinking cheese as soon as you no, said yeah, that there. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. great grape. It is because like it, it has a texture body to it, no? It has nuttiness, it has a creaminess to the mouthfeel and it, it you would almost think it has had a bit of oak okay. and, and for that reason it works really well with food. Um yeah, things like assertico, things like just like pushing the boat out, like what would you, what what should you like Barbera, we talked about that being a great red yeah like, I, I have a Barbera I have a Barbera it's not on selling about not selling and yeah. I put a Cabernet Franc on as well not selling yeah um, yeah hard know, sells hard sells and this is where you know this again is where we would love to um, you were talking about we were talking about light red you know light reds light bodied reds Norello Mascalese was another one you know from Italy that we mentioned before like there's so many great varieties and there's you know it's it's you want to just be able to get people to just taste and I suppose the more tastings you can as a, as an establishment whether you're a retailer whether you're a restaurant you get people in tasting different grapes and different styles that they just might land on their new favourite and that's that's the hope so um yeah Mm. I also sorry for sparkling and I like we have to talk about sparkling and the alternatives because champagne is just ridiculously priced I mean mm-hmm. I love champagne don't get me wrong I know earlier on <laughs> earlier on we were talking about Moet and like I'm not trying to and be like, negative but Moet I, I remember getting Moet in a blind tasting and I just quality wise I did not rate it whatsoever and I stand by that because I just think the quality of it has gotten so standard for you know for a champagne and it's the branding that's so strong and people are so you know they're, they're just so enthralled by it and they just they go for it left right and centre I mean it's such a huge seller everywhere but when you look at the price whether it's on promotion and you're like paying 55 52 euro is probably the cheapest you can get most on the market like can you think about the amazing traditional method Cremants from Bourgogne from Limoux from Loire you think about amazing cavas and the quality. And we, you know, you, like we could we could talk all day long about different ones that we love. Like I, I just feel like, oh, you know, we need to give people a steer when it comes to sparkling. Well, my sister-in-law, I was with her on Saturday night, and she adores Moet, adores it, and she had a bottle, and we had it, and I found it extremely difficult to drink. I found it very acidic, and she's like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> Like you're totally bursting and, our bubble, yeah, no, our bubble, ha <laughs> ha. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> um, but I don't mind, and it's so funny though because I was working at Brent Thomas earlier on the year, and it was her, it was back in May, and it was her birthday. And guess what's there in the drink section of Brent Thomas? The personalized. Here I am advertising mode. Here I go, um, but like the personalized, get your name on a bottle. Mm, the packaging and, and everything, and the, the branding, the marketing, the branding is amazing. What did I do? Yeah. Go and buy a bottle of the pink. So the mm. box said "Happy Birthday, Gemma" on it. Yeah, do you know? And then she's like, "Well, I want that refilled every year." So it's actually on the box rather than the bottle. Right. Um, but I didn't enjoy it. Like I didn't. No, no it's, um, the quality is not there. I don't care what anyone says. Packaging, branding, amazing, savage ah. job, savage job, and it's driving numbers all over the place. But it just pains me because I just think about all the amazing sparkling wines out there, and you do not have to be spending that money for mediocre champagne. No. I have a couple of weird things to throw out. Sorry, if you anything that you want to say, no. Um. How does someone help? How do someone? How does somebody choose a wine on a wine list, though? Can you elaborate on the question? Uh, how does somebody choose wine on a wine list? <laughs> no, that's not elaborating. That's just repeating, Linda. <laughs> okay, somebody is looking for a white wine to go with fish. That's the menus in front of them. How do how do they navigate a wine list? Well, now let's start from the restaurant's point of view. I think. I think. Because it doesn't work as as well in retail, I think it can be trickier in retail. But I think that restaurants could consider um, categorizing their wines by style. Glad you said that. I did that on my list. Did you? Yeah. Good. Good. I put it into crisp and refreshing. Yeah. Rich and robust, smooth and whatever. Yeah. So again, yeah. that's helping the customer in the you know two words. Yeah. And then I actually did a description of what they're like for three liner as well. But do people actually bother looking at that kind of stuff? I don't know. I think they do. But or, I, or you could even go a step further and say the this category or whatever, this these are perfect for shellfish, moves, yeah, yeah. 
give them a little helping yeah. hand. I love it when a restaurant actually does the hard work because sometimes I could be there looking at a wine list for ages because I want a few things, do you know, and you're boring the company of who you're with sometimes because you're really into it and they may not be. But if they say... Or you're just boring this... the company. Full stop. <laughs> like I'm Sorry. boring them or what? Like, <laughs> um, but if it says a particular wine and it says, you know, goes great with. Yeah. On either the food menu mm. or the drinks menu. Yeah. I think that that's a brilliant way. Now, obviously, if you do it for everything, it's a bit much. But it's a lovely way to help. I agree. You know, to help. I agree. Um, also in the wine list I did, I put on um, if the grapes were organic, natural or sustainably practiced yeah. uh, wineries as well. And a few people have commented positively about that. Oh, that's, that's good. Really good. So, that's encouraging. Yeah. So like these little things. Um, but I have a couple of weird little things to ask you. OK. OK. So. Um, oh, yeah. So in a restaurant, what I say is take a breath, order a cocktail while you're waiting. <laughs> Jesus, you're some seller. This is it. Glass of water. Cocktail, take your time with the list, you know, have a little look. And if it helps with the descriptions, that's great. But don't buy the cheapest one. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Because it's usually the one that's well, the cheapest and the most marked. The house yeah? wine and the and the cheapest wine. I have to say, it is, if you're looking at a restaurant, menu, I think these days, and now the price point has gone up, that minimum threshold has gone up. I think it's really hard um, here in Dublin anyway to to get decent quality if you're paying less than 40 euro in a restaurant 35, 40 mm. I mean it used to be you know oh god you'd like be getting something like 26 to 30 yeah. yeah I just think it's very difficult yeah um, so if you're going straight to price point and I appreciate that some people just have of course, to of yeah um, but I I, w- I have been yeah disappointed now myself when you, when you go to you, you can only expect a certain standard I think mm-hmm. um, excellent um, excellent excellent thanks for that <laughs> right question then it's a little news. bit uh, this is going back to our shops a little bit okay okay um, your thoughts on say medals because yeah that's is, uh, it's not necessarily a wine buying tip as such but it's like yeah, yeah, no, it's important What do though. people, consumers feel okay. about these things? I'd, well, I'll tell you what I feel about these things and then I don't know how consumers feel about these things. To me, there's only a handful of medals or awards or sort of publications or reviewers that are worth heeding in terms of the ratings they're giving. So um, Decanter, I think, is one of them. Um, I know Robert Parker, Wine Advocate, is another one that people definitely heed. I think not every winery would agree with that because a lot of wineries I've met over the years say, well, Robert Parker never comes to this region to rate our wines. So how can he rate my wine? So mm-hmm. I don't care if I have a Robert Parker or not. Um, um, so so definitely. And then, you know, wine enthusiasts, I think, are fairly a fairly decent um, reviewing panel. But outside of that, when you're looking at the wine on the shelf and you see especially selected gold medal winner in the IWSC and like and, and don't get me wrong, there's great competitions all over the place. It's just to me there's some that I would you know, I right would heed it. yeah, more than others. The funniest thing, so there was a neck collar on a And sorry, by the way, specially selected just means that the retailer has done a deal with the winery. Listen, will you put a lovely little sticker on the on the bottle? And it look it looks like it's fancy and it looks like it's exclusive and it looks like Yeah, this that was my other thing, like yeah. winemaker selection or specially selected. Yeah. You know, but again, is that you know, people will probably go for that over something that doesn't have it though. Well, they will because their attention will be drawn to it. But but I think pay attention to what it actually is and what it says and what it means. Like the fact that there's some shiny sticker on a bottle doesn't mean the be all and end all, is all I would say. Um the other thing, there was a, a Prosecco that had a neck collar on it and it said the best Prosecco in the world. Wow. Right? Yeah. And this was, <laughs> they were holding on to this accolade <laughs> since like 2011. <laughs> it had it in tiny writing in 2011. So now, they're holding on, isn't that shocking? That's a cod. Yeah, yeah. That hilarious. is a No, cod. I was like cracking up at that. Like, you know. I mean. So read the small print. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else have I to tell you? That's it. I think you have to tell me your food and wine of the week. No, I have to tell you some wine buying tips. Still? For <laughs> gifts. Oh, gifts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. 
Okay, so you're much better at this than me now. Go on. Yeah, this is like my little quiz. This Did you know? Well, okay. It's not. Okay, so here are my personal. You may add to this if you wish. Okay, so basically, if you're buying a gift for somebody, right? I do remember we had a conversation about this around Christmas. Yes, this is not. It's similar but different. Okay. Okay. So number one, preparation is key. Who are you buying for? Like, are they going to be difficult high maintenance like you? Or <laughs> thanks, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it somebody who's really into their wine right. that you need to go off the beaten track and not get them New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> no, <laughs> or a Pinot Grigio? Just lost half. You, no, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you know, mm-hmm. who who are you buying for? Is it someone that is going to be impressed by a heavy bottle, and that's the only way you can go to, down? Hope not. So we want to mm. move away from these. The other thing is, should you buy someone a bottle for twenty? Like, say you want to spend fifty quid, should you buy them one bottle for fifty? Or two for we talked about 25 well. each. Yeah, I was clear. Like my stance on this is one, if it's a gift, like one amazing bottle. Okay, well, you see, the thing and is... You somebody, said, by the way, that on. you agreed. Yeah, but <laughs> before I'm... Before you go changing your mind. Yeah, but I could change my mind because yeah. the thing is, someone who gets a 50 quid bottle might keep it forever and not actually open it up. Whereas they got, if they normally spend 15 to 20 oh and they got two twenty five. Really thought this. I haven't. It's grand. Oh go on. Uh, so if I got two bottles that I might have bought, but they were, you know, different, I might enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to change my mind, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay, grad. Uh, if, so, yeah. so again, here we go. They like champagne. No, don't buy it for them. I give them an English sparkling or yes. a Cremant yeah. or sparkling Almerino, something different. Yep. Okay. Um, and... If you can personalize the gift at all. So if they have been traveling and you know, or their dream destination is, or they're going on their honeymoon to X place in a few years, buy them something special from that country or region. That's a nice, thoughtful thing. And in nice, good, fine wine shops, or not fine wine, independent shops, they, like I used to do this for customers. Again, if they had a wedding gift or something like that, you could write down this is bottle to be enjoyed one year, three year, five years, things like that, that they could enjoy in their anniversaries. Yeah. So they could make tasting notes up for you. Yeah. That's a nice little thing to do. Lovely. Now. Um, and again, if they're into a particular type of food, French, Thai, theme it with that. Um, and are they conscious of the environment? Then you need to not get them the heavy bottle. Unlike the person who wants a heavy bottle. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, actually, um, I got a gift when I was 21 um, of a bottle of Opus One You're from my family. Saying, yeah. And again, they all chipped in because that was not going to be a gift from one person. So if it is a special treat for some, you know, important birthday. Yeah. Um, get people to chip in and buy even a Magnum or something like that as well. Well, I was just going to say the two things I would add to that. Yeah. A Magnum, I think, is a great thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, a Magnum is never on my radar. I go, God, like, Magnums are, I don't know, they're, they don't, they're not really in my world. I don't, you know, I don't see them often. I don't Do you think know of them. Sometimes they're so, displayed differently because they're not on yeah. normal shelves. So you might have to look different places or ask. Absolutely. But I'm thinking ahead now to Christmas with Big C word. No, but I am. I'm going like, I because I, I, now I can see a whole selection of Magnums that I hadn't seen before. I have already decided I am getting Magnums for Christmas. Yes, brilliant. What is the point in getting one single bottle when you know, like you have the people around. <laughs> when you know you're going to drink go through a couple of bottles at the <laughs> yeah, very yeah, least. Yeah. And can you imagine that lovely effect of opening up a Magnum? Plus, we know that wine ages a lot better in Magnum. Well, like slower. age, age worthy wines, slower. Absolutely. Um, the other wine gift worth n- noting, I suppose, is not related to wine, wine, but the caravan. Oh, yes. Which is really a really good one for for wine appreciators. And if you are starting to get into wine and you don't want to be spending a fortune, a caravan is a great thing, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And if you want to really push the boat out, NFTs. <laughs> Sorry, actually, we didn't cover NFTs on this one. We covered it on the last one, didn't we? We did. OK, scrap that. <laughs> Timestamp, please. <laughs> right. Are we done? Our wine recommendations. Our, our wine pairing. Yeah. Tell me something lovely you had to eat and drink this past week. Um, I had Finca La Colina Berzejo from Rueda. Yeah. With paella. When? Um, oh, why wasn't I invited? <laughs> Where was this? In my house. Who made it? Me. What did you do? How did you? Ma- don't tell me you made the paella in the thermomix. Because I, <laughs> I don't believe you. 
<laughs> I won't tell you anything then. Okay. Um, no, it was amazing because again, just the gorgeous and the colour of it, you know, it's amazing. Okay. What right. did you have? No, well, I didn't like, I wasn't really ambitious now with my cooking this week. But you, we Hold did, on, you did yeah. something about pork chops? No, it was okay. lamb. But you did something with pork chops, it was, you told me. It was lamb chops. Lamb, uh, which I do kind of Greek style. So do them with like scalloped potatoes and I do them roasted with like garlic and then feta cheese and tomato and oregano and lemon juice. And it's kind of like this Greek medley, this Greek meat. So did you have a Greek heaven. wine? No, we didn't actually. <laughs> if it grows no, well, together, actually, I did together, have a Greek so. wine, but not with that, <laughs> which I should have had. Uh, the Gaia. Um, Wild had, ferment? No, the the the, the mm. red, the Gaia. A Jortitico. No, but I um the, the lamb I had, I'd love, I have to say I'm a sucker for lamb and Pinot Noir. So I had it ah. with the be good that I mentioned earlier. Lovely. Soft and supple and cherry and strawberry and just lovely and elegant and lovely balanced, like lovely acidity, which worked really the well because there was lamb. Well also because there's lemon juice. Um, yeah, in yeah, it yeah, right. I, I know. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, no. I yeah, and I have to say Greek food in general. <sighs> yeah. Stop. Yeah. So that's it, folks, for this episode about wine buying tips. Hopefully you've picked up something useful. Please drop us an email if you have any questions, you want to know a bit more, or if we can help in any way to, what is it, Linda? Our wine podcast at gmail.com. That's it. And don't forget to rate, review and to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. How about that? <laughs> love it. Love the delivery. Right. Cheers. Cheers, folks. Bye-bye. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. Or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.